As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Inspired Conversation, podcast number seven in the series of False Voices. And I'm reading from the book Familiar Spirits. And our story begins with our character at the age of three. She's now about age 30. So she has a long history with a silent presence that's proven its existence through mental telepathy, moving objects, possessing animals and humans, and now begins to identify itself in conversation. We left off in the book where our character is now married and has a couple of kids, and the presence is currently haunting the young couple. Many circumstances occur to frighten and upset both the character and her husband, so now he is a believer in this presence. So I'd like to read a couple stories about what this presence uh, does with this young couple. Reading from Familiar Spirits. One evening at home, when the spiritual climate was very thick and electric, we tucked the kids into bed, locked and bolted the front door, and went upstairs. The energy was heavy in the house. It felt like an unseen electricity was buzzing through the air. The strange anticipation that made me afraid also made Phil question our sanity. Phil was an educated man, somewhat hardened emotionally, yet he reflected on all I had told him and believed this was really happening. The undeniable energy that surrounded us had cracked any theology he might have had along with the logic he used to explain the fear. The alien comment from our first date, when he got straight into my face, the truth of the presence, and now the climate change in the room brought us to a new reality. Phil didn't say what he was thinking, but I could read it in his face. The test was to either acknowledge this energy or believe we had made it all up. This made Phil angry. I saw the confusion. He didn't want to be involved in something that couldn't be reconciled with reason, yet he couldn't deny what was happening. So on this night, as we're laying in bed, a windstorm blew through the neighborhood. In our edgy state, we thought we heard something downstairs. We straightened up, listened carefully. We definitely did hear something because our front door had blown open. We could hear the wind from outside, but the door itself had hit the walls that flew backward with a crash. I sat straight up and whispered nervously to Phil that he'd have to go downstairs alone. I thought an intruder had opened the door and was standing at the bottom of the stairs waiting for us. We looked at each other with great fear as Phil grabbed a flashlight and walked down the stairs. I truly expected to hear him yell and fight off a burglar, but there was no yelling or fighting. 
He quickly closed the door and came back upstairs. As he came back in the room, I was relieved until I saw the look on his face. He looked at me with frightened eyes and a peculiar fear on his face. He told me the door had indeed blown open, but wondered how a small windstorm could unlock and unbolt a door. An eerie feeling was in the air, and we both felt pretty spooked. Almost in the same second, he told me about the door bolt. We heard a horrible crash in the backyard. Becoming more jumpy, Phil ran downstairs to check the noise. He looked out the back door to find our porch furniture had been thrown to the ground, and half of it now was tumbling down the road. Phil yelled upstairs to me, Our table and umbrella are flying through the air. I'm going to get them. I yelled back, Just leave them till morning. I didn't care if we lost our porch furniture. I just thought it was unwise to get involved with the energy in its current powerful display. In spite of my request, my husband threw open the back door and ran down the street, retrieving the broken umbrella and chairs. The strange thing he noticed was that only our porch furniture was blowing around and damaged. He came back upstairs and said, Not one other townhouse had been missing or even moved furniture. Everyone in the neighborhood slept as we were closing doors and retrieving furniture. We noticed we had our own personal tornado. As soon as he came inside, we heard a horrible noise at the front door. It was loud, primitive, like a wail like my dog had made in the seance in our house many years earlier. It sounded like a guttural growl from a possessed animal. Phil looked at me, shaking his head, just saying, Now what? He opened the door and saw a huge pile of slimy material lying on the porch. Phil yelled, Get down here. You've got to see this. I didn't want to go downstairs or even stay upstairs. I wanted the awful night to stop. I walked downstairs and looked onto the porch. There on the porch, a huge pile of slimy mucus had been deposited. The pile of slime was so large that it covered half our porch. It was so bizarre that we laughed out loud and couldn't think of what had made this mess. The slime was clear, somewhat iridescent, with large white spots that looked like puffy mold spots attached to it. Neither of us had ever seen anything like this before. As Phil shut the door, we shook our heads and headed back upstairs. Just as we began to ascend the flight of stairs, another noise came from inside the house. Instead of looking, out of panic, we fear and raced up the stairs to get away from it. Here we were, two 29-year-olds, running from an unknown and unseen intruder. We didn't care what it was. We just wanted to get away. We climbed into bed and looked at each other, completely convinced that something was trying to haunt us, when all of a sudden, the five-foot glass frame picture behind the bed came crashing down around us. Glass rained down through the air as we sat up in disbelief. My husband screamed loud like a shrilled voice and jumped out of the bed and yelled, That is it! What's going on around here? He was so angry and afraid at the same time. We laughed insanely, though, and then just fell asleep. It was as if we were inoculated simultaneously so we'd pass it off as just a crazy night. I know the presence allowed us to be woken up by using a natural wind, showed us its power and presence, and once again controlled us with fear through bizarre events. We had locked and bolted the front door where on the porch there was no slime just hours ago. We thought it was a deliberate message because no one else in the neighborhood was having the same things happen to them. The presence was now affecting my husband. So needless to say, this young couple needs a break. So they take a trip, and this is part of the book called A Trip to Remember. So Phil and I made plans to go to a small town on the Ohio River. 
The town had historic buildings, antique shops, restaurants, and would provide a little calm. We had reservations at a B&B and was a 19th century ship captain's house. As we arrived in the town, it was charming. It seemed to invite tourists to its banks. We asked for directions to the house, which was well known to the town. We pulled up to the captain's home and saw a huge white mansion that sat high above the town. This location was perfect. The captain could watch his ships come and go. The minute we drove up to the house, I froze with fear and told Phil we couldn't stay there. He looked at me and asked why. I told him there was something wrong and I couldn't explain it. The house itself seemed okay, but there was a dark presence that covered the house. It truly felt as though a black blanket was covering the entire house. This was causing me to spiritually react in a severe way. So we sat in the car for a few minutes, deciding what to do was getting dark, and ultimately we decided there was nowhere else to stay. The B&B owners had seen us in their driveway, and we had to explain why it seemed as though we were leaving before we even checked in. It all seemed so weird, so I agreed to stay, and even though I didn't, even though I knew we shouldn't. We knocked on the door, and a polite couple greeted us. The man immediately struck me as a source of my fear. His eyes and smile were off in the way that said, I can see right through what you are thinking. As he looked at me squarely in the eye, I thought I was maybe making this up, but I knew what I saw and heard. My heart was racing because my spiritual radar was going off in an unusually strange and violent way. This man contained a familiar look in his eyes and smile that I recognized. It was almost as if a fake smile and searing black eyes had been superimposed on his face, somewhat like my husband's. The face looked at me the same way my husband had looked at me on our date when he asked me how I knew he wasn't an alien. I was completely afraid. The couple asked, would you like to sit and talk? I thought this was strange. I just wanted to go to our room and escape the man. We politely said sure and sat down. The room where we were seated was the parlor of the house, which was dimly lit. It almost seemed foggy in the room, and I couldn't make out specific items. I looked around and couldn't get comfortable because I felt like I was being watched. I couldn't figure out why anyone would keep their house so strangely lit, especially when expecting company. Phil led the conversation by asking questions about the house. The man explained the details and the history of the house. I thought the conversation was fine, but I felt really antsy to get away from the conversation and wanted to go to our room. This was supposed to be a romantic getaway, but it was not feeling even close to that. As we made our way to the desk for payment, the man smiled and said, This is the anniversary night tonight. We politely tipped our heads, smiled, and asked what the occasion was. I had a sick feeling I wouldn't like the answer. The man replied, It's the anniversary of the captain's death in the home. Perfect. Phil looked at me and asked, Are you going to be all right? And I said, No. Oh, God, what are we doing here? I had told Phil this was not a good place, but now we were trapped. I was actually feeling panicked, but there was nothing that could be done. The man laughed at my response and seemingly amused that he had scared me. What were the odds of us taking a trip and finding a and b where it was the anniversary of the owner's death in the house? As we continued to talk, I asked, were there any local Indian tribes that, near, that live nearby? I thought I'd try to forget my fear, neutralize the conversation about the dead captains, and talk about something I liked. The man again perked up and said, Of course. I continued, I 
interested in finding local arrowheads and information on the Indians who made them. He acknowledged my interest and said that periodically they had digs in their backyard since it was so close to the river. I asked if it would be possible for me to look around in the morning or even come to one of the digs. The man smiled a mocking smile, looking at me in his knowing and creepy way and said, Sure. At that moment, I knew the man was able to read right through me. Somehow he had foreknowledge that we would be there on that night and even seemed to know my questions before I asked them. We went to bed in the front bedroom, and the couple retired in their back room right behind ours. Both Phil and I thought it was strange that they had the entire house but chose to sleep right next to us. I kept running the man's face, eyes, and smile through my mind over and over again. I knew there was something very odd about this man. While we were getting ready for bed, I looked around the room and saw the usual antiques, you know, a typical decorating theme, old rockers, bookshelves, etc. Nothing odd or fancy, just American antiques. The lamps were the old glass ball type, converted oil lamps. I kept wondering why everything in the room felt cloudy. Maybe it was the lamp. Maybe it was the black cloud from outside the house. The entire room, the house, felt like a stage for a scary play. We climbed into bed, and I felt a strong presence in the room. It was not a familiar presence, though, not the same presence I had felt before. It felt as though someone knew or something new was in the room with us and watching us. The feeling was so intense that I told Phil what I felt. He laughed and said, Oh, that weird guy probably has a peephole. Well, that didn't make me feel any better. It just made me unable to sleep. Phil joked about the dead captain being in the room, which left me upset. I couldn't relay the fear in an appropriate way, so just like in my youth, I had to endure the silent panic alone. If someone else couldn't see or feel the presence, how could they fear it? I alone knew something was in the room with us. As Phil went to sleep, I was not able to shake the man's face or the strange presence in the room. I was angry that Phil seemed to be able to sleep through anything. I was the target of the ghosts, no matter who they were. Finally, I drifted off to a half-sleep. It wasn't long after I had fallen into this half-sleep that I was awakened by a figure walking around our room. I was frozen with fear and bolted upright in the bed, terrified. I sat up quickly. My actions triggered no response from the figure. Instead, it left me trembling and even more afraid. The figure was that of a little girl. She seemed to be playing in a childlike way, as though there were toys in the room. Though terrified, I continued to move, hoping my movement would cause the girl to disappear. She didn't notice me. She just kept on with her whimsical movements. The word poltergeist came to my mind. Even in my fear, I was trying to wrestle with the reality of what was happening and trying not to be afraid of a nice little girl. I had heard of poltergeists and thought they were friendly. They were thought to be spirits who could not find their way to the afterlife and stayed in the location they occupied when alive. I woke Phil up and told him what I had seen. He stayed awake for a minute but saw nothing. Without proof, he went back to sleep. The night was long and confusing because I had never seen a spirit in human form. In the following weeks, nothing particularly odd happened. We went out about our days in normal fashion, and I told my friends about our strange vacation encounter. Everyone was spooked, but people like a good scary story, so long as it doesn't involve them. After a short silence from the light, I once again felt it coming into the window. I was in my familiar evening spot on the couch and felt the old presence bearing down on me. Phil and the kids had gone upstairs to bed, so I quickly tried to wind down for the night. 
The TV might have been on, but I wasn't watching anything in particular. I caught the light out of the corner of my eye and felt the presence again. This time, I felt interested in its arrival due to the fact that it had spoken once before. I decided to ask it once again, Who are you? The light spoke and gave me a name. A man with an authoritative tone answered my question. I heard a deep voice resounding in my head. The voice came from a light source. It was not audible, but it was strong and separate from me. This was the same voice that had said, You are not ready. He said his name was Simeon. As he spoke his name, I saw the letters of his name spelled out in my mind. The name was odd, but somehow familiar. I sensed there would be other, I sensed there were others around him and asked who the others were, but he wouldn't say. He just said he was one of many entities. Stunned, I sat there wondering if I was crazy, or had I really heard this man speak? I can't explain the surprise because after so many years of feeling the light and presence surrounding me, I knew I wasn't making this up. Someone was really there. A man named Simeon was speaking to me. The draw I had felt for so long was really someone trying to communicate with me. I had not imagined this whole lifelong series of encounters. And I'd like to end our story here for now, and we will resume next time to see what Simeon has to say. You're listening to Inspired Conversations. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Jeff Britton from Britton Products, Inc., and he's out of Huntington Woods, Michigan, and you can contact him, all things real estate, over 300 products on his website at brittonproducts.com, and that's B-R-I-T-T-O-N products.com. And also like to thank the law offices of Stephen R. Adams, LLC, on 9th Street in Cincinnati, and you can contact him at 513-659-4442. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.